The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Before we get to our shapeshifter, just a quick update on what's happened in the world today because it's been an astonishing day. The JSE didn't do too much today. It was it was positive. It bounced slightly a couple of hundred points up. Um, but the Germany's DAX, for the first time ever, the German DAX, the main index in Germany, up over 7.5%. It gained 1,000 points on the day. A huge surge, a huge recovery. Those markets have been hit much harder than ours. Um, so Paris was up strongly. London was up in positive territory as well. But yeah, the DAX in uh, Germany, in Frankfurt, and the CAC 40, the CAC Grand, CAC Grand? Um, bad French, um, is um, also massively strong on the day. Um, the Dow that tonight also is having a massive recovery with the S&P 500 up nearly 3%. The Dow's up 2%. NASDAQ up 3 Um So, yeah, very, very strong day across Europe and into the United States this evening as well, which both maybe be slightly better news in terms of JSE performance uh, tomorrow. Tonight, our currency is the surprise and continues to surprise at 1502 to the dollar, 1979 to the pound, and 1663 to the euro. Well, Sonoba Vuba is the co-founder and managing director of Perpetuate. I spelled it for you earlier. It is a business consultancy that focuses on small businesses in South Africa and also key markets in the rest of the African continent. Uh, so, Ngoba, how long have you been advising small businesses? What's your background? What, what sort of got you into this trade? Hi, Bruce. Um, fantastic to be on the show with you. Thank you so much for having me. So, I always say I'm an unlikely entrepreneur. My background is actually training in actuarial science um, and worked in financial services for about seven odd years at the start of my career doing risk management. So, of all the places I would have ended up, it probably wasn't becoming an entrepreneur in the space of real-time risk mitigation. But, but yeah, exactly. So, Somebody who <laughs> understands risk goes into one of the riskiest, outside of Ukraine, probably the riskiest place on earth right now. <laughs> correct, correct. And it truly was by chance. While working in financial services, I worked for the First Rand Group, and I ended up running the F&B Innovation Programme which was an internal employee innovation program, but we had so many conversations with small businesses who were looking to do joint ventures, who were looking to partner with F&B for awesome ideas that they had, but also awesome small businesses that they were running. And I really, the bug bit there in trying to understand why our small businesses fail and why they some of them succeed. Um, and post-financial services, I then actually went off to join a startup as an employee number two, kind of drink a bit of the Kool-Aid and understand what it takes before effectively starting my consultancy, which was in 2018. We'll get on to you and your consultancy in a moment, but can I just go back a little bit and reflect on that yes. phenomenal program within First Round? Is it if just in FNB or was it across the whole First Round group where there were big prizes up for grabs? I think it was like a million rand Correct. prize a year for <laughs> the best idea. Correct conjured up and then applied within the businesses because a whole bunch of really smart stuff when FNB was named Innovative Bank of the Year and of the world and of the universe Correct. were coming from staff <laughs> incentivized to think in a particular way. Correct. 
effectively it was, you know, in the F&B business firmly in the retail bank. And it was, like you say, an internal innovation program that challenged employees to think of better ways to do things, be it the small incremental improvements right through to like blue sky, you've come up with a brand new idea and spot on kind of the big grand prize was a million rand for staff. And if it was seen as a radical, you know, idea that had been implemented, that prize money went right up to three million. Um, is it still continuing? Do you know? It It is, as far as I know, it, it is. In fact, I think it probably continues to morph itself into deeper alignment with the strategy of the business, but also trying to find ways for external joint ventures and starting to bring innovation in from the outside and not only from the inside. Uh, and I mean, so many people get frustrated within corporates generally, and they, they sort of come up with an idea in corporate and it doesn't fly, it doesn't work, and they know it's great. And they know it's it's phenomenal. They'd love the capital of the business to start it, but it doesn't work. So they go off on their own and start their own enterprises. And I suppose that gives birth to to lots of small businesses. And small businesses yeah. are, are deeply vulnerable creatures, aren't they? They, uh, I don't know, it's like any, new, any newborn, if you don't feed it, change it, look <laughs> after it and make sure that it sleeps properly, it's going to get into trouble. And small businesses are like that. Correct, correct. So yeah, absolutely correct. They're full of potential because there are lots of opportunities out there. But in order to actually capitalize and convert that potential into reality and real business and real turnover, it's tough. And many businesses don't reach that milestone rather than kind of the small percentage that do. Okay, so where does Perpetuate, I love the name, uh, P-E-R-P-E-T-U, Eight, number eight. Where does perpetuate Correct. fit into, I have to use the term ecosystem now because I think that's a term that you would use. <laughs> where, where do you fit in that ecosystem? Oh, that word ecosystem. Love it, hate it. But yeah, it is true, the ecosystem. If it's actually a good place to start. If we look at the ecosystem for small business development in South Africa, we know quite a lot of money is being spent by our corporate you know, entities in the country on enterprise and supplier development. Um, they're spending it on a multitude of interventions, and oftentimes it takes the form of you know, learning. It takes the form of boot camps. It takes the form of coaching, of mentoring. It takes the form of assessments. And for, for me, as kind of a person who'd been in corporate and had been seeing these play out, but also having a number of friends and colleagues and acquaintances who are entrepreneurs and have started their businesses, somehow the two worlds weren't connecting. So you ask corporates and they're doing amazing stuff and spending millions and millions on enterprise and supplier development. And when you ask the entrepreneur, they were saying, listen, I need time to run my business and kind of being taken out of my business to do a program. Initially, the first time around, maybe it's useful. But when I've been in four different programs and truly I'm actually on the program to try gain access to market and move into the value chain of the suppliers for that corporate, that's the real reason for most of them. They just find that, listen, I learn all these awesome things and then I go back into my business and I'm time poor I'm skills poor to do all the awesome things I've been taught and I'm money poor from an ability to hire people to do that. So based on those conversations, we really felt that the gap and that's what Perpetuate does, was around the implementation. It was the reality that from a small business perspective, it is number one imperative that you're running a business and going for a business that has real scalable potential. And most entrepreneurs don't know if that's the business they're chasing. And secondly, it was once you know you've got a good business with a good strategy, how do you unlock access to skills 
in an affordable, flexible manner that allows you to move your business to the next stage, but also implement those awesome things that you've been taught in these training programs and in your mentoring sessions and your coaching sessions. So our focus is twofold. It is strategy development, and it is a real focus around, is this a business that's going to disrupt or is this a business that's going to be disrupted? Because I feel that those are the only two options we have. And the Uh, second leg of what mm. we do is implementation. Uh, where do you stand in the argument? There are a lot of people who say, you know what, we waste far too much money on early stage businesses. We waste far too much money in holding hands and nurturing people who are not going to succeed anyway because mm-hmm. the vast majority of, of, mm-hmm. of startups collapse in a, in a heap and people then go back and look for a job or try again or whatever the case might be if they're really, really tough. Mm-hmm. We should rather be focusing mm-hmm. our attention on businesses that have been around for, I don't know, five years and employ five or ten people because the odds of them yeah. employing 20 or 30 or 50 people are considerably higher Mm. than Mm -hmm. the baseline startup business employing another person or two or two more people if we're going to tackle the real crisis in south africa of unemployment and opportunity we're focusing in the wrong place would you agree it's a tough one to answer bruce i think that like many things there isn't a single silver bullet I think that we need to start just with how we talk about small businesses in South Africa and we talk about SMMEs. And then we say, this is the solution for SMMEs. And that's already flawed because a small business, a micro business, a micro-sized, you know, medium-sized enterprise are fundamentally different beings, let alone a small business that's in one industry versus one that's in another. And I think we've, for a number of years now in the ecosystem, as we're calling it, have effectively tried to copy and paste formulas and solutions across the spectrum of micro, small, and medium businesses, and it's just not working. And what we're finding and seeing is that we first need to understand the size of that business, the potential you know, future size of that business based on its growth and industry and you know, um, right to win, and then looking at where they are from a maturity perspective. And if we don't understand that as a starting point, then probably we're going to provide the wrong solutions and implement the wrong solutions. So I strongly feel that, yes, there are businesses that will only ever grow to employing five people, and therefore your interventions are very specific to help them get from the one person to five people. And then there's very different types of interventions you would put in place for businesses that are currently on 10 people, but could become the next 10,000 employees you know, in their base. So I think it's important that we answer that question. And I'm not sure generally as the ecosystem whether we've grappled with that. And unfortunately, it's the harder job to do. Much easier to copy and paste the same sort of support across the spectrum. Maybe that's why it's not working. (laughs) (laughs) I would hazard a guess. (laughs) (laughs) Our shapeshifter this evening is Sonoma Vuba. She's the co-founder and managing director of Perpetuate, consulting business focusing on small businesses in South Africa, key markets in Africa. More with her in a moment. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Sonoba Vuba is the co-founder and managing director at Perpetuate. She's in a business consultancy that helps small businesses, not only in South Africa, but across the African continent. And I, I wonder whether you are seeing lots of activity. I, I just, I'm constantly in awe of entrepreneurs, people who go out and risk capital and risk time and risk reputations and risk 
health <laughs> to go and create <laughs> something that, that that to them is either a you know a dream or a you know a desire or a passion whatever it might be but people who go out yeah. and and put their bodies on the line to to create a business are to my mind extraordinary people i agree with you bruce i think i i always say i believe that entrepreneurs are superheroes because there needs to be some super human um, level of uh, perseverance, but also just resolve to keep going until you succeed or even the lessons that come from failing. Um, and I think in the in the consultancy, my focus has really been that. I almost don't see myself as an entrepreneur. I see myself as a person who's trying to partner with entrepreneurs to see how it's possible to help them pull off the grand vision that they decided to risk it all for. Um, and like you say, kind of when you talk about how much activity there is, like you said, there's so many professionals you see exiting corporate trying to start their own thing, either because they're frustrated by corporate and are kind of pushed out or whether they are pulled, you know, by this great idea that they have or some innovation that they see working. And I must say, you see those differences in entrepreneurs when you work with them. And I really think that the pull factor has to be stronger because it's going to get tough and that's guaranteed and probably get tough many times over. Just think about the number of times you mentioned the word risk in this intro. And I really find that the entrepreneurs who really have a strong, clear vision of what they're trying to build and are, are married to that um, are the ones that generally succeed because they keep persevering and they keep finding a solution and also try find ways to surround themselves with people who can actually make the vision possible. And it's exciting as well, isn't it? You watch clever and creative and capable people who may be specialists in the one thing that they do, but they get so mm. committed to the project that they will do anything to make it work. And Correct. I think, I think you must come across some stories of extraordinary fortitude. Can you share some? Absolutely extraordinary fortitude. I mean, um, yeah, I've, sure, so many, but some local examples. I mean, one particular entrepreneur that we, I think is absolutely incredible is a young gentleman called Dumi Pake, who is the now the group CEO of um, Zenzele Group, which basically has now started spawning off different subsidiary businesses. But where they started was a fitness business. And what they were doing was effectively creating gym fitness centers within corporate offices in order to allow offices to drive employee well-being. Now, you can imagine that in the year of 2020, oh. when people stopped going to the office and they had massive gyms, equipments fitted out, staff that were employed as trainers, as administrators, and all the rest. And now no one is coming to the office and no one is coming to the gym. This particular entrepreneur decided to continue reinventing themselves. And effectively, they came up with like an at-home gym system. So, you know, buying a box and in that box is a couple of weights and a couple of, you know, steps and all those things to allow you to continue to work out at home. They pivoted again and created a you know a sportswear line and that's now I think it's called a para premium and that's now another business of theirs right so incredible fortitude in a time where Tumi could have turned around and said well that's it and even in the fitness business he went to his clients those corporates and said well we're both in this so what are we going to do and actually managed to negotiate at least some sort of percentage of continued income that would keep his business afloat but I think the other thing about this particular entrepreneur which a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with and grapple with 
is knowing when to get out the way. So for Dumi, he's been clearer on knowing when he needs to move into a group oversight role versus when he has now become the handbrake for his original fitness business. And I think that's an important level of self-awareness that's not always shared. And I think that level of self-awareness also helps with that fortitude and perseverance. And what about businesses outside of South Africa or people who want to take their business outside of South Africa to other African markets? It's, I mean, we've seen so many corporates go into other African countries and blow it. Um, what are the success <laughs> rates of, of smaller enterprises? So it, it is a mixed bag. And I think for especially for South African businesses trying to make it on the rest of the continent, I think one lesson that I would have hoped that we would have learned from large corporates was to avoid the South African ego, which walks into other markets and decides and dictates, this is how we do things in South Africa. And therefore, we're going to copy and paste it into the world and territory that we walk into. And I mean, even perpetuate grapples with this, which is you need some local knowledge. You need some on the ground partners that can help you understand what what element of your toolkit that you've built and succeeded in South Africa is actually going to make it in that territory that you're trying to get into. And that comes from humility and a humility and a readiness to learn. And I think that's important. The other lesson we've learned is that very different types of businesses succeed in different types of markets. If you look at the types of startups that are potentially, let's say, in Nairobi, um, you know, versus what we see here in South Africa, we have quite a strong lens in South Africa for fintech businesses that attract quite a lot of funding, but also for heavy tech businesses. Whereas in markets like Kenya, and dare I say, even in Nigeria, it's a very strong mix. It's a more balanced mix, which is low tech solutions to solve a problem, but also high tech solutions in the mix as well. And if you're not able to you know, be comfortable in both worlds and sometimes build a hybrid solution, which is it's all great to build an end-to-end solution using amazing technology, but if the market you're in requires your solution to be a hybrid blend and you are out of the water and thinking about low tech solutions to solve problems, then you generally don't last. But but also relationships, relationships, relationships. I guess in Africa, there's no place where that is more true, whereas there's ecosystems there. And if you're not able to understand the market, build your networks and have appropriate stakeholders, your chances of survival become even slimmer, even if you had a roaring successful business in the South African market. So, Ngobo, what a pleasure to talk to you tonight, and I wish you luck with Perpetuate. I thank you very much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us this evening. Gleaned at the coal face of a small enterprise herself, a former actuary turned small business grower and rescuer. So, Ngobo Vuba this evening.